Welcome to the Future Blogs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. It's another episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. This is episode 42. 42 straight weekdays we've been doing this, Nathan. That is more than eight weeks, which was our original commitments. We have officially outlasted what we set out to do here. And uh, that's because y'all keep showing up and listening. So thanks for being here. And we have a really exciting episode today. It's the first time we've ever had um, guests from outside the organization. It's the first time we've ever had more than two people on the show. And the reason is that Dan and Andy are some of our most trusted advisors. Um, Dan is Nathan's executive coach. Andy is my executive coach. They come to us from an organization called Reboot. Uh, They were part of bringing that to life. And um, it's an organization kind of spurred by the work of Jerry Colonna, who is a really incredible author, thinker, coach, really a guide is how I would describe Jerry. Uh, His Reboot book Um, is really personal and really impactful. Uh, Both Nathan and I found it really meaningful to us on our leadership journeys. And um, they also are the creators of a lot of the practices we use around journaling, around red, yellow, green, and all of the other things that we've shared with you all uh, over time. So we're excited to get into a little bit about resiliency in times of needs with them. Um, This is a special episode where we'll go for an hour. Uh, We figured with four of us here that uh, we might need a little more time than normal. So if we find a stopping point before then, we'll use it. And if not, um, you can expect a kind of double episode today. Maybe we'll call this episodes 42 and 43, Nathan, so we can get on an even number at the end of the the (laughs) week. We started on a Tuesday, five episodes a week, and it's always bothered us that Fridays are not (laughs) even (laughs) even numbers. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. That's enough for me. So we're going to start off with uh, how we always do, which is a little red, yellow, green. I'm going to go Dan, Nathan, Andy Barrett here. So Dan, kick us off. How are you doing today? Well, first of all, I'm really happy to be here. And I love that you do red, yellow, green. Uh, As someone who's watched a number of these episodes, I always always get a smile when I see you doing that. Because red, yellow, green is something we do in every one of our meetings as a team. So I'm lime green, which is one of my go-to colors. Uh, so there's a lot of green and just it's been a full day of client conversations and feeling really good about uh, some of the stuff that amazing clients are doing in the world and um, the ways I'm able to support them. Yellow, just a busy day, a little nervous, too, about being here. I think it's my first official YouTube live broadcast. So I, I'm just anticipating one of my kids coming in here at some point. <laughs> but um, a little yellow, just a little nervous and and. You know, it goes in with our conversation today, but there's this general yellow sort of in the background of just what's going on in the world and the way it's affecting people and the way it's affecting me and my family. And so that's just always there. So it's always, even when I'm green of green, it's still skewing it a bit to that lime green. So that's where I am today. Thanks for sharing. Nathan? Um, I'm green today. Uh, got got some good work done this morning. We had a really good uh, leadership meeting, you know, just a lot of sharing with the team how... Uh, things are changing or what we're working on coming out of our board meeting last week. And I just felt like, well, Barrett, we went through a post that that you've written that you'll get posted for the team really soon. And I just felt like I had a lot of good clarity. And there's always this gap, or I feel like there's a gap between what I intend to communicate and what I'm actually communicating. And it just mm. felt like a time where as a leadership team, it's like, yep, 
this says what we intended to communicate. This it is clear. It's direct. Um, and so I think that's really good. I'm excited for that. So I'm green. Love it. Uh, Andy, how about you? Yeah, thanks. And and as Dan said, it's it's a privilege to be here with you all today. Thank you for having us. Um, I, I'm pretty green today. Um, you know, one of the things I've been really cognizant of through this time is I kind of feel like at my best, I'm probably operating at about 80% capacity. And I think I'm just coming to peace with the, that's just where we are right now. That's where I am. And so I definitely feel uh, sort of an underlying constant sense of, uh, of fatigue. Like I might maybe just don't have quite as much energy as I feel like I should have or normally would have. But I also feel uh, quite grateful to, to be in the position that I'm in. You know, one of the things I'll say um, I'm happy about uh, getting to be here and speaking, you know, within the creator community is my brother is a creator. He makes his living as a solo entrepreneur uh, video production company. And um, this pandemic has been crushing for his business, one that relies on um, needing to be in person, needing to bring people together on set physically uh, in order to, to do his, his work. And, and so there's just a special place in my heart right now for people who are in the, that position. I'm seeing it kind of firsthand uh, with my brother. And, um, and that, along with some other, you know, second and and third order effects on our family system. You know, I, I just, that's how it, all of this is touching me. Um, I feel fortunate that we're, we're doing okay as a business and, and yet on the family side and, and beyond, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. So, um, so I think that also contributes to the, that sense of a constant yellow for me. Uh, but today green and really excited to be here with y'all. Love it. Thanks for sharing. Um, I would say I, this has kind of been my standard state of things lately. I have green energy with a background of yellow. Uh, we, at some point, someone in the chat, I can't remember, I would love to be able to give credit, uh, but I don't remember who said it first. Maybe it was Jimmy um, said chartreuse as uh, as their color, which is like a form of lime green. Oh, Teddy said it. That's right. And anyways, I shared uh, the background of chartreuse, the liqueur, and it's become a thing ever since then. So maybe chartreuse is my uh, my color today. Uh, like Nathan said, we've started using the practice that Amazon uses of writing pieces ahead of time and then reading them in silence on meetings. And wow, has that been powerful for really detailed communication communication, because sometimes it's just hard for everyone to get to it ahead of time. And you never really know if they don't have anything to say or if they're just haven't prepared. And this just removes that. Everyone's prepared. We all come together. Together, We have a good conversation. And um, we very much practiced that on our meeting just before this, which was a ton of fun. Outside of that, family life's good. We've had a few days of rain here in Portland, which is always kind of affects the mood, but I'm excited about where we're going. I'm also excited about today's conversation. Y'all offered to come on and join us. Uh, I think in response to kind of seeing us launch the creator fund and launch this show, um, as always, you were massive supporters for us and helped spur us on and offered to, to just come be a stabilizing voice for the community, which we know you have the capability to be because you do it for us. And the topic you raised was resilience. And I thought that was a really powerful one because like we've all highlighted, there's these multiple layers of what's going on in the world right now. And they all affect us. And it's from the global to our communities, to our families, just to our own burdens as professionals. And balancing that is just hard right now. And there's no right answer. So I thought maybe we could start with just like 
When we say resilience, what do we mean? What are we talking about? Um, and why, why is it relevant right now, especially for the creator community? I was thinking about this and like, what's the most simple and straightforward way to define resilience? And I think what I would say is it's the ability to survive and thrive in the presence of challenges. And those challenges can be extreme, like, um, like, like that might fall into the category of trauma, or they may be things that are more like annoyances, you know, uh, like first world problems, right? So it's the whole spectrum there. And then I think about survival as, you know, if you imagine a baseline of sort of equilibrium and uh, if the conditions take us below that baseline, then surviving is about trying to get back to baseline. And if we're, we happen to be, you know, fortunate to be above that, what does it look like to actually thrive um, and actually grow even in the midst of um, things being somewhat okay? And so I see resilience as being uh, present on both sides of that continuum about survival and thriving in the midst of challenges. Yeah. I love that. I would imagine that resonates a lot. Um, our audience has been so vulnerable with us over time as we've done this show and just shared how, um, we've had people get laid off. We've had people have their business revenue streams completely go away. We've had their, their family lives affected, you know, obviously in-person events like for your brother, Andy, mm. it has a big impact on a lot of creators who speak or provide some service related to events. So I know that's going to resonate with people just not just trying to get by and make it, but really kind of come out the other end, not just being okay, but kind of ready to continue living from here. Yeah. Wednesdays are typically our day. We, we started checking in every day on what's going on in the world. How many cases are there? Uh, you know, what's the developments look like? And we've slowed that to just checking in on Wednesdays because we found that really the, the day-to-day -day is not changing all that much anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's may not be helpful really to check in all that often. But yeah. yesterday in preparation for today's episode, I did kind of checked in. I listened to the New York Times daily. I read a few articles. Um, I tried to get kind of a sense of the state of things. And one of the things I was reading about is um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's been kind of the face of uh, scientific approach to the pandemic throughout this whole thing from the White House, um, was talking about uh, testifying to Congress, I think. He was talking about when we might expect a vaccine. Essentially, what he laid out was that the earliest we could expect a vaccine candidate, and I'll define that in a minute, would be winter of this year or spring of next year. And when he says candidate, what that means is we've seen all of these potential vaccines, and one makes it to the end of the trial process enough that we're willing to open that up to a larger population of people. And only once you have a candidate that seems viable, can you then go into manufacturing, distribution, and everything else that comes from it. And so the takeaway from that, from him, was we're at least a year from there being a mm -hmm. viable vaccine that's accessible to people. And that's if everything goes perfectly well, that we have a candidate at the end of the trials that are going on right now, yeah. that things work out. And then you go into the extra six or 12 or whatever many months to get it out to people. And one of the, the transitions Nathan and I have started to talk about internally is we're now going from crisis mode to a new normal. You know, we've been in this for a couple months now, at least in the US, and this might be how we're living for an extended period of time, you know, kind of venturing out a little bit and then dialing it back and balancing the needs of risk versus safety. 
it seems particularly relevant to this conversation because it makes the future completely unknown. It means that there's not really the ability to make plans right now. And I think our brains do pretty weird things in the face of complete uncertainty like that. So I'd just love to hear kind of what your perspective is on how our brains operate in this kind of environment and, and maybe even how you're working with some of your clients on processing that. Yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier in my check-in that it's been a full day of client calls and I feel like this has been the topic <laughs> of the day, uh, more or less. You know, the, the truth is, you, you said, Barrett, it's like we're entering a, a future of unknowns. It's, I feel like we're kind of always in a future of unknowns, for better or for worse. Yeah. But that being said, when we recognize when we're in a moment of great uncertainty, the brain, you know, the anxiety that comes up, is how do I create a plan? How do I create certainty amidst the uncertainty? Well, how does one actually create certainty in a global pandemic? How can one actually plan around? Because even what, you know, Fauci's right, we don't know. We still can't know. No one can know, including Fauci. So what we've been telling clients and what, frankly, what I've been doing for myself you know, it can kind of feel like I'm standing in quicksand and the, the, the frantic search for the certainty, the frantic reaching for the plan causes me to sink further into the sand. So what you actually first need to do is stand still. And there's a great poem and I won't, we do a lot of poetry reboot. I won't bring that in. Um, we, we've read I, some poems you should on this fully podcast. Bring oh, it in. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, I have it right here. <laughs> no, um, I will. If it's okay, I'll read this yeah, poem. Please, please. So I think it's appropriate. Uh, this is a poem by uh, David Wagner. It's called Lost. Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and the bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen. It answers, I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying here. No two trees are the same to the raven. No two branches are the same to the wren. If what a tree or bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. And so the reason why I share that poem and the reason why it's often one we bring into our boot camps is we can, in the anxiety, frantically look for a plan, a way out to find the certainty. but the activity of seeking actually leads us to feeling more groundless. And so what we can do in a time like this, in a moment of uncertainty, is to stand still and to recognize what it is that we stand for, recognize what is most important to us, and recognizing in that what choices we have. So I don't have a choice on how the pandemic shows up, but I have a choice in how I show up day to day amidst the pandemic. I have a choice in what kind of man I want to be, what kind of father I want to be, what kind of partner I want to be, what kind of leader I want to be, what kind of creator I want to be. And so in recognizing what we stand for, we find more choices in a world where it's hard to, to see uh, what's in our control. So what we're talking to my clients is stand still. I love that poem. Yeah, add to it, Andy. Yeah, and Go I was just going to add, build slightly on what Dan was saying to connect this back to resiliency in the brain. Barry, you, you asked like what happens to our brain in this time. Yeah, and I mentioned trauma earlier. You know, in the presence of an existential threat, we enter a triggered state, and that is where our amygdala kind of kicks in and takes over. We get the fight, flight, freeze response, 
And that's a really good thing to be able to um, kick into automatically in the presence of a threat. The challenge is you mentioned, you know, moving from the initial kind of state of uh, disruption into the new normal is if we carry that fight, flight, freeze response into this phase, you're going to see things like people frantically searching for a plan and certainty when that certainty is not available. Or you might also see the opposite of people just kind of kind of going inward and becoming a shell of who they are or just being numb, essentially. And so part of what Dan's saying is that the first step is actually to recognize, okay, that first wave of threat, we're still alive. We got through that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that that recognizing ground or coming to ground uh, coming to ground now lets me come back to choice and a different set of responses. So so that's one thing I think that's happening to our brains is we're taking we may be in some cases continuing to live in that triggered state. And for some of us that may look like frantic uh, desire to fight, a, a fight that's futile or it may look like frozenness. Um, and the one build that I would offer to this is in order to, to step into the new normal, we have to first grieve the old way that we won't be coming back to. Yeah. And that I, actually, I think, supports us in moving out of the triggered state and into a more grounded state. Because until we reckon with it, like we're actually not going back to the world that yeah. we all knew. Until we sort of recognize that both rationally and also in our bodies, uh, we may still be living in that that triggered state of wanting to get back mm. to and wanting to get away from the threat. Nathan, I know uh, grief is a personal topic for you. It's one that you yeah. had a lot of experience with. I don't know if you if you have thoughts on that and just kind of mm. um, how you've come to know grief, I guess, as a tool. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean. Dan and I have talked about this extensively, um, over time. And so, you know, I just, I feel like in the time that we've all spent together, one thing, there's like certain, um, language or tools that have come up in that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so you often hear, hear us say something like, well, let's just name that, you know, or, or noticing what we feel. Right. And, And so everyone listening has heard Barrett and I do that all the time. And, and so, you know, you're getting to spend time with the the two guys that we get it from. And so the thing that I was noticing as Andy, when you said, when you brought up grief of like, just feeling that of like, that is what it is, hmm. you know, of realizing, okay, I'm going to feel, I'm going to be the first person to fall into the quicksand and be scrambling frantically for a plan. How do I get it back to the point where I can just have a barbecue with all of my friends that I can go to a conference and shake hands with a hundred people. Yeah. Uh, how do I, like, how do I get back to life as before? And so I'm that first person that's going to be looking and scrambling for a method to make that happen. I'm a creator. I'm an entrepreneur. My job is to overcome those things. And then you realize yeah. like, I'm actually just frantically trying to get something that I can't have anymore. And so something, yeah. you know, for me, like my closest experience or most extreme experience with grief is in losing a child and realizing that there's all of this, that you're, you're grieving like a future that's no longer going to happen. And I think that's very, um, that's exactly what's happening here. And we have to give ourselves that permission to 
we had all these plans. We had weddings, graduations, hmm. every conferences, whatever else, uh, team retreats, <laughs> you know, to bring it to one that we're thinking about this week. Hmm. Um, and, and we're grieving that that's not going to happen. And so I, I love that you brought that up because it's just taking this time to actually accept that and sit with it and to go through it. I love Brian Holiday's book, um, The Obstacle is the Way, of just this path of like, the only way out is through. And I think I've spent so long being like, no, 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 the only way out is through avoidance, hard work, you know, yeah. whatever else. <laughs> and it's just been this long journey of like, no, first you have to grieve that this, your hopes and dreams in whatever scenario aren't going to happen anymore and that we're in a new, new reality. Mm. I love that. Uh, it makes me think about, well, for me, I'm not very negative emotions were, um, a thing not to really talk about or feel, especially growing up. And so a lot of my work has been over time being able to name them and just learning the, like you said, Nathan, the power of simply saying, I am angry. I am sad. Mm -hmm. I am disappointed. I am frustrated. And how much that releases it from your body. Because before I say it, it's in my chest, it's in my stomach, it's in my shoulders. And as soon as I say it, it loses all of its power over me because now it's known. And, and so like one of the things that came to mind for me just now was uh, tomorrow, actually it's on my calendar is why I know was going to be a vacation day. And so it was mm -hmm. Friday because my brother-in-law was going to be graduating law school this weekend. Mm -hmm. And my grandparents who are in Atlanta were going to get their first and who knows, maybe only chance to meet my child as their great grandson. Mm -hmm. And so this was this really important moment to us where we were going to get to celebrate this a uh, really monumental achievement for my brother-in-law and, and, you know, get, allow my son to, while he won't remember it, meet these people who won't always be there just re in reality. And, and I have to say, I'm sad about that, you know, mm -hmm. or next month we're not having craft and commerce. I love hosting craft and commerce. It's like mm -hmm. this chance to get out of my strategic mindset behind the computer and be on stage with people and create community. I'm sad. I don't get to do that. And that is kind of the first step is just um, acknowledging where we're at in all of this. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I, uh, Nathan, you named it, you know, and without going into too much detail, but one of my client conversations today was their wedding was supposed to be last weekend. Mm. And there was a lot of emotion around that. Yes, they will have some version of some wedding at some point, but the vision of what they had could not have happened. And there was just a tremendous amount of sadness around that. And grief is one of those things where there is no shortcut, there's no hack, there's no tip <laughs> to move through it more quickly. It's just to be with it and to feel it. But there's opportunity in being with it and feeling it. And not just only to, I mean, the, the bare level, the minimum level is to recognize it's part of the human experience. And there's a richness in feeling grief. It's uh, our colleague, Jim, I think has said to me, Andy, that uh, the other side of grief is love and joy. Yeah, And so it's to recognize in the grief that there's something really important. There's some joy. There's another side of it. There's a, something that you love on the other side of it. And, yeah. you know, the, the truth is I sit in this conversation because like Nathan, you know, my mom, my mom died when I was a young entrepreneur, not that your mom dies, you're young, but, but I frantically went out and tried to build a company to move through the grief. Mm. I was looking for an answer by creating. And I met somebody, Jerry who coached me and made me sit with the grief. Mm -hmm. And in sitting with the grief is actually what started me on the path to sitting here with you all and supporting entrepreneurs in, that, in the way that I am. 
So there's opportunities too to sit in the richness of the grief that we have now and to recognize what really is important there for us. That's why I love that poem, the visualization of the space that we're creating for ourselves to do that. You know, the idea of these towering trees over us that are kind of sacred and known to a lot of beings other than us and to sit and notice them and be with ourselves in that. It's really powerful. Andy, it looked like you were going to jump in there though. I'm glad you said what you said about the poem and being with the trees, because I was just imagining, I wonder if someone's out there listening and hearing us say things like be with the grief or, or sit with it and and may wonder, well, what the hell does that mean? Um, You know, like what, (laughs) how exactly does one do that? And um, it can be as simple as walking outside, finding yourself in the presence of something that's alive, like a tree (laughs) or a bush It could be in your backyard. It could be in a park if that's safe in your area. It could be in the woods if you have access to it. And to actually allow yourself to get quiet. And you could do this with a journal or you could do this just in your own sort of self dialogue um, is actually just to say something as simple as like you guys were saying earlier, I feel sad that I'm not going to get to do X or I feel heartbroken at the loss of X. And write that out, speak that, tell it to the tree that you're talking to. That's what we mean when we say sit with it. It's just to like give yourself that space to say out loud what it is that you're feeling and then feel it. Dan Putt and Andy Christinger joined us for a full hour conversation, which as you know, is a departure from our normal 30 minute format. But to make sure it's still easy listening, we divided this conversation up into two pieces. That's part one of our conversation. Check back tomorrow for part two. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today.